This is Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood, certified financial planner and president of Smallwood Wealth Management. With more than 30 years of experience in helping people with wealth management, financial planning, business ownership, estate planning, insurance, and more, John's here to share the news you can use to improve your financial confidence. Now, best-selling author and six-time five-star wealth manager award winner, John L. Smallwood. Hello, this is John Smallwood welcoming everybody today to the podcast as we continue on with market volatility and geopolitical risks and all the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of months, weeks, years, 32 years of my career. Some things just don't change, it feels like. But our reactions to them are the most important thing, okay? And that's what we have control over. We don't have control over what's going around the world, but we do have control of how we're going to react to it. Specifically, I'm speaking about your personal financial planning, your personal financial plan, as opposed to any other things that we're going to talk about. But the reality is the conversations about what's going to go on, how we're thinking about it, it's intensifying because fear is increasing. And it's one of these things that from doing this as long as I've done it, it's the fear that really in any part of our lives, and you can think about it, is what destroys good planning. It destroys relationships. It destroys business ventures. It destroys fear of failure, fear of success. We can go on and on and on about it. But one of the keys is I always find if the plan is well set up, then that allows you to reduce the fear, but sometimes you need to reinforce that. Meaning, just because you said it doesn't mean that it's not going to have stress, it's not going to have pressure. You're not going to second guess it. You're not going to question it. You're not going to rethink around it. And often, these conversations are really good because what you want to do is sometimes you just simply need reinforcement of the good things that you've done, and you need to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes that you might have made before and that you're encountering penalties or excess taxation and all these things, right? So the successful part of a financial plan always is when you think about the factors that are involved in it, right? We want to pay the least amount of taxes today. We want to pay the least amount of taxes during accumulation. And we want to pay the least amount of taxes during the distribution phase. And we want to pay the least amount of taxes when we have the pass it on phase, right? So those four components, we don't want to pay a lot of taxes. Most people's plans are doing that. So a lot of calls and a lot of things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks is creating a lot of taxation because of fear of wanting to sell out. We want to pay the least amount of fees and costs in a plan. And what's happening is as you'd make certain changes, you could be accelerating those, right? We want to have the most protection around the plan. We want to basically save the maximum amount of money. We want to have the maximum amount of retirement income. We want to pass the maximum to our family. And we want to make sure that every financial decision that we're making is as strategic as it possibly can. So in chapter six of my book, I did a whole thing called the beautiful balance, but the conditions were really set around framework and a thinking that minimizes the concern about what's happening. You can kind of think of it as a foundation when you're building a house. Where are you building the house? Are you building the house in a floodplain? You know, you got to put it up on stilts. Are you building the house on a beachfront 
property that's going to have storms. You're building on the side of a cliff in the mountain next to a stream in a development that is, you know, been filled and filled and filled. And you're going to have sinkholes like Florida. You need to understand what you're building for and the building that you're trying to build. And then the foundation is really the stability of that whole entire program without a steady foundation then you're not going to go anywhere. And a financial plan and financial strategy really comes down to the same thing. So in our thinking, what you want to make sure is that I have a significant amount of cash. Sometimes I have enough cash beyond what I need, but we're always looking for a minimum of 50% of the annual lifestyle or annual income actually sitting in cash, liquid cash. It doesn't really matter what the return is. It could be life insurance cash values, it could be cash in the bank, it could be cash in the safe. It is something I can get access to in a few days that's not market driven. Then from there, in the portfolio, you want the portfolio to be an asset class portfolio that's fully diversified. But if you think about it, visualize this for a second. I have a million dollars and it's 100% in stocks and I don't have any cash, I don't have anything. And the market falls 20, 30, 40%. That's pretty significant. That's going to create some pain. That's going to create some fear. If I have 300,000 sitting in you know, cash and very safe assets, and then I have a diversified portfolio, the odds of the portfolio falling 40, 50% are pretty low, okay? But even if that, after the foundation, if all of it's in there, my 300,000 is stable, my equity portfolio drops by 50%, I'm still better off than I would have been if I was 100% in the equities. Now, on the upride, when the markets are going up, obviously, you want to have the full equities. But I don't ever see, if you're concerned about downside, you're concerned about risk, you're concerned about having to navigate through tough times, there's not a point in history where you haven't been exposed to tough times, right? This has been happening. This is something that's all the way there. But what you have to get to is you have to get to a confidence factor is that if I need to back off of the income, if I need to take income from another source, how long can I sustain myself while I'm waiting for things to come back? If it's only three or four months, probably not a good strategy. But if I got a year or two years or three years where I have access to money that I don't need to withdraw from my equity portfolio or my real estate or whatever it is, then I'm in a really good spot because that should give me the confidence to battle through the time frame. When we start to think through this, what happens is you have to look back at history, even though nothing is guaranteed, just because history happened doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does in the different areas. But I'm just trying to be funny with the disclaimer. But the reality is that the factors are different. The players are different. The outcomes are typically similar. And it's our reaction of how we look at it that's going to help us get through this. And how we look at it is going to be framed by our confidence in the plan that we've built. So JP Morgan put out a piece data as of February 21st, 2022, that's called the History Points to Short-Lived Volatility in Geopolitical Events. And they basically have a series of events on this sheet that I think are really interesting. So I'm just going to read them because it's important. October 29th, 1973, there was the Israel-Arab War oil embargo, which I was talking about earlier today. I was talking about, remember, sitting in the back of my parents' car waiting on the line, the gas line. I was waiting for the little car that they gave you. 
my mother or my father was waiting for the gas, right? And that was their focus. But all I was focused on was getting that little tiny car. But what's interesting is the start of the sell-off was October 29th, 1973. <laughs> Dexter's waiting at the door. Hold on for a second. So we had to let the dog into the room. He was whining outside. So you could hear him. So the sell-off starts in October 29th, 1973. The duration of the sell-off is 27 trading days. 27 trading days, okay? The duration to recover prior to the prior level was 1,475 trading days. And the sell-off was 17% in that time frame. So that's when you start to look back and go, ooh, that's really interesting. Long time to recover. Now that one happens to be the longest on this sheet. The Shah of Iran is exiled, 1979. It was a nine-day sell-off, 34 days to recover. The Iran hostage crisis, October 5th, 1979, 24-day sell-off with a 10% downside. Duration to recover is 51 days. This is something that seems to history repeating itself. The Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, December 17th, 1979, sell-off is 12 days. It's 3.8% downside, six days to get back. The first Gulf War, January 1st, 1991, six days sell-off, eight days to get back. Kosovo bombing, four days down, nine days back, 4% downside. The 9-11 attacks, this is an interesting one, September 11th, 2001, duration of the sell-off is six days. It took 15 days to get back, it was down 11%. The Iraq war, seven-day sell-off, 16 days to get back, 5.3% downside. The Ukraine conflict, Crimea basically, March 7th, 2014, Six-day sell-off, 19 days to get back, and the intervention in Syria was the last one that's on this chart, which is September 18th, 2014. It's 21 days, 12 days back, 7.5% downside. So the confidence is really coming into play here is that these are some pretty major, major political events. You can go back and look at other charts. When Reagan was shot, there was a sell-off. You know, there's a lot of this time frame, but the key is is in the confidence. So if I reduce the risk, if I reduce the taxes, if I reduce the fees and costs, if I increase my savings rate, if I increase the protection around the wealth, I sleep better at night. I don't get impacted by what's going on, the frenzies, the bubble effects, right? You got to stay narrow and stay focused and stay broad, narrow and broad in the same conversation, right? But I got to stay narrow in my focus, but broad in my implementation of strategy so that I have lots of things going on. So when one thing gets disrupted, other things are doing well. And what I find is while it may feel good, it never makes sense to go to cash because if I go to cash, I miss the entire upside. And then at what point do I get back in? Most people never get back in on the downside. If I go to cash now and I get out of the way when the market is down 50%, I'll get back in. The majority of people don't. The psychological aspects don't allow you to do it. My focus here and my goal for talking about this is that it's, one, it's a topical conversation, but yet it's an eternal conversation. It's something that there's so many points in the last 30 years where we had the Asian contagion back in 2000 probably 97, 98, where the markets were going up. There was a 12-month period where the markets were down like 25, 27%. And that's painful. And the reaction is most people just want to you know, stop the bleeding. But the reality is if you have good quality assets, 
that are well diversified with good balance and you rebalance periodically. You, you know, you have excess cash and you rebalance the cash. You don't have enough cash. You take money out of the markets, increase your cash. You focus on the things that you can control. You can control your savings rate. You can control your lifestyle. You can control your tax planning within a certain degree. You got to pay taxes based on the assets. But, you know, I did a document a few years ago called the 19 sources of retirement income. All those things have uniquely different tax impacts on your wealth plan. So you can design strategies that avoid or postpone or defer taxes. And the question is, which one's right for you, the individual? Your plan is different than somebody else's plan because of the components of their plan. So a lot of people come in, they're very successful, but they don't have a good solid foundation. Their protection is lacking. Their liquidity is lacking. They're tied up in assets that have you know no liquidity to. Um, so those are things that create imbalances that you need to say, okay, here's the strategy. Here's how we should go about doing this. It may take two or three years to get there because of taxation issues and cash flow issues and debt structures and things like that. But it all comes back to building the plan which you've built, whether you have a formal plan or not, you have a plan. But it all comes back to is organizing the plan to get very clear on what has happened over the last period of time. And that plan requires rethinking, reevaluation, and a deeper level of understanding. Just because you own something doesn't mean you have to keep it. And just because you don't own something doesn't mean that you don't need it. And just because you already have something, it may be too little, it may be too much. You need to constantly rethink how you're going to approach the upside and the downside of the markets, how you're going to approach your spending. If you're like me, this year I've got college graduation, I've got a high school graduation, I've got a person going off to college, and then I have a wedding with my oldest son. So a lot going on in the calendar year, and there's lots of you know cash flow things that are happening as a result of that, right? New college starting somebody getting out of college, you know, there's all these different things that you have to think through. And that's why working with your advisor and coming up with that plan and knowing that in the range, you know, the kid's 25, 26, he's going to get married at some point. We had him get married at 28, 29, and we had to move it up, right? So those are things that are really interesting. But it's like, if you talk about the problem and you come up with a solution to fund it, you're going to be more prepared than oh my God, we got to take care of this now and there's no liquidity, right? So what I urge everybody to do, we have a concept called the wealth curve and we have the wealth curve blueprint and we have the wealth curve scorecard. So the blueprint is a snapshot of your entire financial strategy, where you are, what you're doing, every component of the plan, every financial decision. So it's income, it's taxes, it's expenses, it's all those things. And then the idea is the scorecard basically then ranks about 35 or 40 of those areas and basically it's like a heat map. Are you in the green? Are you in the gray? Or are you in the red? If you're in the red, that means you're maybe overpaying taxes or overspending money or don't have enough protection or don't have the right savings rate. And the idea is to get everything into the green. If you're heading towards the green or working a plan towards the green, when we get a downturn, when we get an event in our personal financial plan that causes a drawdown, we're prepared for it and we can push through it and be successful. Without a plan, we're not going to be successful. We're going to be behind. So I offer everybody that's listening to this podcast, if you're an existing client, sign up for a catch-up call. 
if for whatever reason we haven't rebuilt your blueprint, let's do it. Some clients have never done a blueprint because we've been doing this for about four or five years and they just haven't had the time to do it. A lot of clients have it. People that have it really like it. And then the scorecard is a really great opportunity to really dig deeper and understand, well, why do I need this? Why do I need that type of protection? Why don't I need that type of protection? You know, why am I paying so much taxes? What are the things that I can do to reduce those taxes? What are things that I can do to reduce risk so that I sleep at night? That blueprint creation is the fun part of the plan, right? Organize everything, understand where it's going. The comments that we get from people about, I didn't think I was spending that much money. I didn't think I was spending that much money in taxes. I didn't know my net worth was that good. I mean, there's so many things that come out of it. It's sort of funny. We did it one years and years ago for somebody. And the person's net worth was significantly like almost two times what they thought it was when we organized it, which was you go from a dollar to two dollars. It's exciting. But you go from a lot of money to a lot more money. It's just a way of looking at it. And maybe it was a way of breaking through because they've done a really great job since. The potential of the conversation is what we want to do. So in the first part of this, you can sign up for what we call a wealth curve conversation. And that conversation is a 30 to 45 minute conversation all about you and what your family, your income, your taxes, your savings, your debt structure, your lifestyle, where the current assets are, all these wonderful future obligations that we've set up for kids, college, weddings, inheritances, goals, dreams, etc. The defense side, how well the wealth is protected. What do you love about your plan? What keeps you up at night besides your spouse snoring and the dog sitting on your head? But the reality is, what do you want to get done? What's important to you? And what do we see as an advisor as to what we can help make better in that plan? That's what our goal is. Our goal is to help you become more successful than you already are. So you can go online, you go to smallwoodassociates.com, smallwoodwealth.com, which all point to the same URL. You can call the office at 732-542-1565 and ask to set up a wealth curve conversation. Or if you're a new client, you can go right on the website and self-schedule. If you're an existing client, you can self-schedule. The podcast is a great way to share this with your friends, your family. There's a lot of resources on here. There's a lot of videos. There's a lot of webinars. Every two weeks, we do a webinar with a guest speaker that is expert in some sort of section of a wealth plan. And we're trying to pull in these people to add that extra value and that extra conversation and that thinking. It's about the thinking and how you think about your plan and where it is that you want to go. And what actions are you willing to take today to get there? And what actions tomorrow are you willing to take to keep it going in that right direction? And stay focused on the goal. That's the focus, not on the surroundings. At times, you do need to reassess. And that's what the Wealth Curve conversation is about and the update. So share us. Let us know if you have a topic, let us know if you have an idea. Let us know if you have something that you want to have more conversation about. If we're not the appropriate people, we'll get the people on the podcast or a webinar and we will have some fun. Thank you for listening today and see you next time. It's your wealth. Keep it. The best-selling book by John L. Smallwood, the definitive guide to growing, protecting, enjoying, and passing on your wealth. Find it on Amazon now or go to smallwoodwealth.com for more retirement resources. 
Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood is brought to you by Smallwood Wealth Management, an investment advisor representative. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action as information and or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including, but not limited to, any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.